morning. Can we go ahead and just pray for a second? Lord, we're just asking for your presence to manifest at a whole different level. How many would help me pray this? Lord, we know that you're here, but we pray for more. How many would help me pray that? We pray the more of God. We pray, God, that when we leave this church today, there will be a a different, uh, you would add something to this house, God, just because of who you are and because we're always growing forward. We pray it. Spirit of wisdom and revelation, fill this place. We pray, shift and blow, God, over this congregation. We pray, God, move this church into the next uh, step that you would use us, God, as a, as a family, because we are family. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak, that you would release words, prophetic words. We pray the fire of God would burn in this place even more. In Jesus' name, amen. So I really, I really, I'm thankful for the opportunity to speak in this church. Uh, I was saved under Pastor Ron's ministry in Church on the Rock back on Peterson Street uh, years ago, like about 100 years ago. And uh, <laughs> I walked away from God for about 10 years. Uh, a, lot, a lot of times people come to God and then they end up going astray at some point in their lives. Like how, many in this, how many people in this church have, since you came to God, you strayed at some point in your life? And uh, so... I guess a lot of times it's part of our story, you know, but uh, I, I realize that, you know, the things that are important to me that keep me on, on the path are the Word of God, the power of God, the anointing, the fellowship of the saints, and what Dean was saying earlier about uh, the Bible studies, like don't, it, don't make light of Bible studies and small groups because that's what makes, that's what makes you strong, and uh, right? I mean, the, the Christians were first called disciples disciples were later called Christians. And so we got to make sure, like, what are we doing here? Is this a biblical thing that we're following, a biblical role model, or is it just kind of the North American way? we got to make sure that it's a biblical standard. Amen? So that's going to be discipleship. And uh, like our church, we believe, you know, connect to God, uh, which would be salvation, and is your daily infilling of the Spirit of God. And we believe in uh, connect with people, right? Connect with people. Build relationship. And we believe uh, also take action. And I love this church because this church takes action more than anybody, any church that I know. <laughs> I, mean, run, I mean, call Pastor Ron. He might be in some other, in Japan, and then later he's over here in Kenya, and then he's in India, and then he's back home, and then he's in Arkansas. I mean, this man is moving around. I can't, I, I've never seen anybody with energy like that. I mean, I, I don't even have a half of that energy. <laughs> so I really, I'm really amazed by it. So I just wanted to take a moment just to honor uh, Pastor Ron and Pastor Ken, and thank you guys for letting me come. So you ready? Somebody shout it with me, grace power. So listen, first I want to have to start off saying this. You be free, okay, today to praise God. Like if something hits your spirit, like listen, you have total freedom to praise God. Is that right in this house? Because we're singing a song saying, God, make this a house of praise. And then he sent a crazy bald-headed Cajun preacher. So y'all got to be ready, I mean, to give some praise to God. Amen. How many know what the anointing is? That is the power of God. Somebody said the power of God. How many know that we're saved because of grace? We're saved because of grace, and grace is power. Grace is the power that you did not have. Grace is the ability that you need. Amen? How many know that you need the anointing? We don't just need dead words. If, if, if words were all you needed, then you could just read Facebook and you'd be happier, but that isn't true, is it? How many know that, you, that whenever God anoints words and sends them into your heart, it changes your life? I mean, we need the anointing. We need the power of God, the presence of God. There is an anointing within you that saves you. And there's an anointing that comes upon you that reaches others. 
I'm looking at my friend Jason over here, and Jason is an evangelist. And, 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 and the only reason why Jason can reach souls is because God's anointed him. And the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. They never, God never takes it away. How many of the God will put that anointing on you and, you, and you'll, see, you'll begin to impact others almost accidentally? God will just use you. Amen? So say it with me. There's an anointing inside of you. No, say it like this. There's an anointing in me. And there's an anointing that God wants to put upon me. Amen? So God is in you for your sakes, but he's upon you for the sake of others. Is this right? So how many has heard of the power of the Holy Spirit that came on Pentecost, right? Uh, how, many, how many have heard of this? Amen. How many have experienced it? And how many of that, that power is mainly to reach other people. The power of the Holy Spirit is to reach other people. But how many realize this, that the same power that comes upon you in the baptism of the Holy Spirit helps you? Right? I mean, even to this day, I mean, I've, I've, I fell away from the Lord for 10 years, and I've been back for a couple of weeks now. And I think, <laughs> I've been back for 17 years now, and I, and I always underestimate, because it's almost like you can't imagine the help that it brings you for God to touch your life with a fresh anointing, for God to set you on fire. We forget it because we're, we're led by our brain, you know what I'm saying, but really we're supposed to be led by our heart. And when God touches your heart and fires you up, the foundation of your thinking changes, amen? A special supernatural spiritual clarity comes upon your mind. How many of there's a spiritual aspect to your mind? There's a spiritual dimension to your mind. Amen. That's why we need the Holy Spirit and we have the mind of Christ. So God is in you for the sake, for your sake, but he's upon you for the sake of others. The anointing is the power of God. Somebody shout grace power. When I think of grace, I think of power. And I didn't even know the theology behind it, but God was speaking to me about it early on. And later I found out that actually theologians, some, say, some actually give that as a description of grace is the power of God. And we're going to show you how the Bible actually talks about that. But to receive salvation is to receive salvation for yourself without power. Okay? How many of the, if you receive salvation for yourself and you never help others, that's a life without purpose? Okay, think about this. So we're called to receive Christ and to fulfill the Great Commission. How many know what the Great Commission is? Right before Jesus left, he said, hey, man, go make disciples, baptize, amen, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach everything that I've told you to teach. Is this right? So we're called to receive Christ and to fulfill the Great Commission. Say with me, purpose. Now, how many know that people, I mean, people don't even want to live when they, they don't have a purpose? Have you ever been in a place in your life where you didn't have a purpose? You didn't have any kind of reason, any kind of inspiration, any, any kind of reason to live even? Anyone? So we need a purpose, and we forget the importance of the power of purpose. You, in fact, you don't have any power until you're plugged into a purpose. Is this right? Have you ever considered this? Like, in, if a person doesn't have a purpose to live for, they don't, they don't even really want to wake up in the morning, you know? But God wants to empower you and set you and embark you on a journey of purpose. Amen? So power comes from purpose. All right, here we go. So I just wanted to kind of set this up a little bit. Today I want to also talk about fullness. Somebody say with me, fullness. So how many know there's a fullness of God? In other words, there's more. <laughs> so, you know, in our, we have a, a, small, a small mind compared to God's infinite mind. I mean, can you imagine, right? I mean, it's kind of like Mickey Mouse trying to look up at Walt Disney and figure him out. You know, I mean, there's so much more of God. Somebody said, maybe there's more. You know, when I first, you know, when I first got, gave my life back to Jesus, I was like, God, I just don't want to be addicted to drugs. I, I just don't want to run this, the roads at night. I just don't want to be bound to that lifestyle. I just want to come out. I just want help, you know. I just want to be able to survive and not be an addict. 
and I, I want to have maybe a, an apartment and a little dog, you know. That was, that was like the extent of my vision. Are you feeling this? <laughs> I didn't realize that whenever you begin to cry out to God that he touches your mind and he opens your mind and he changes your thinking. He puts you on a different paradigm. Is this right? He unlocks your thinking. In fact, after he rose from the dead, Jesus visited some disciples in the book of Luke. The Bible says that as he was talking to them in Luke 24, that he opened their understanding. So how many realize that God can open your mind to think like he does? Number one, God saves us for a purpose. Our salvation has to do with God's grace power working within us. Let's talk about God working within us a little bit and God's purpose. So Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Come on, somebody say it with me. I'm going to work out my salvation. So how many know that your salvation, you have something to do with it, right? There's a cooperation. How many have received Christ in your heart as your Lord and Savior? Anybody? If you receive Christ in your heart, how many realize, man, I have something to do with this salvation? This is not just something I just said a little prayer and then boom, I'm going to get a ticket to heaven. In fact, that's not even biblical. There is no biblical prayer to go to heaven. Or is there? Or is it about receiving Jesus? And there are words that you can pray to receive Jesus, but how many know that words don't save you, Jesus saves you? The, receiving Jesus is what salvation is. Receiving a person that you never knew before is, how, is, is what salvation is. Amen? Okay, I'm, so I'm testing you a little bit. So work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So fear and trembling. So how many know I have to work out? There's something that, that, that comes on my life that I have to work it out. Now watch this next part. Uh, for it is God who works in you. Somebody say, God's working in me. Both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So how many know that God, he works something in you? What is he working in you? The willpower. How many have ever felt, I don't even have the willpower to go to church. I don't even want to pray, right? I don't want to do the right thing. Sometimes your willpower gets out of control and you do the wrong thing. But he can work in you. How many, that's the, there's an anointing in you. God saved you. He's working in you to do the right thing. To want to do it and to be able to do it. To the will and the ability. Say with me, the will and the ability. What is ability? That's the power. The power that I didn't have. So how many realize that, you know, when we, this anointing that he put in you at salvation, with, when you receive Christ, you receive every single thing you need for life and godliness. You receive the power that you need to be a child of God. Is this right? He's working in you. Salvation is the beginning of the answer to the infamous question, who am I and what am I here for? <laughs> Have you ever asked yourself that? Who, we, you know, identity crisis is the biggest problem in America. I mean, what am I? Am I a dolphin? Am I, what am I? I don't know what I am. Well, maybe I should go into this bathroom. Maybe I should. I mean, come on. Like, really? Like, can we be real here? Like, we, we have a serious identity issue. Seriously, right? And you, whatever you do is according to who you think you are. I mean, if I came from a monkey, then I'm, I mean, I might as well act like one, right? I mean, there's, I mean, there's no moral code, is there? Or is there? Or do, I, or do I look like my daddy? I need to find out who he is. Amen? Because God is, how many of you realize that God is our creator? God is our dad. Amen? Genesis 1, 26 and 27, he said, we are created in his likeness. So you look a lot like your dad. You just, just got to meet him. We're born orphans. The world is born an orphan. And we, and we got to find out who this God is. Amen? Is anybody with me? Y'all mad? Okay. <laughs> so, 
Salvation is the beginning of discovering our true identity. Would anybody say amen? amen. The beginning of discovering our true identity and our true purpose. Our, our power, our ability, our fullness comes from walking in our true purpose. How many in this room would agree with me that when you begin to find your purpose, what, what makes me click, what makes me, uh, what makes me uh, burn, you know, then you begin to realize what your purpose is, that it, it began to give you power to want to live. It began to give you uh, life. Amen? Ultimately, I would say this, is that our purpose is to reach others for Christ. Our purpose is to see them grow and to, and to, and to succeed. And if, you see, and if you see that your life is helping others and reaching Christ, how many of the first person that you ever saw that God used you to reach somebody for Jesus, to help them find Christ, to help them to grow, to help them to, uh, to disciple them? How many would say that with me, that there's no greater satisfaction than that? I mean, you, could have, you can pursue whatever you want, but until you find out that you're actually called to do exactly what Jesus did, <laughs> which is to make disciples. Whether you're in the marketplace and you own a business or whether you're a full-time minister, we're all, we're all preachers and we're all talking about something. We're all preaching about something. Amen? So our fullness has to do with receiving God's fullness. We are saved by grace to walk in even more grace. Somebody say even more grace. Grace is for grace. Let's look at Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God. How are you saved? By grace. Are y'all tracking with me? How are you saved? By the power of God, by the grace of God, by something that you couldn't do. Because if you could do it, then you would boast about it. How many realize there's a lot of pride in our spirituality? Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> Have you ever thought? How many has ever God used you and you grew in one area and then your pride grew and then you had to come down a notch so that God could grow you some more? Anybody with me? Like God used you and you're like, man, you kind of get goes to your head. You're kind of like, huh? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm kind of not like this person over here that's immoral. I'm kind of on a different level, you know. And you, How many realize that we kind of get pretty, like, we kind of think a lot of ourselves, you know what I mean? In a, in an area, there's a lot of Christian arrogance going on. You say, well, how do you know that? Because we don't even, we don't, we don't respect the poor. We don't respect people that aren't like us. You know what I'm saying? We can't even identify with people that are like us. We can't identify with people that are not like us because we don't love them. You follow what I'm saying? You can't start winning souls until you love people that are not even like you. People know that you're interested in them. And if you love people, you're interested in them. If you don't love them, you don't have time for them. Is this making any sense? Why wouldn't we love anyone? Because we love ourselves too much. It's called pride. Is this making sense? Do you know what the problem with pride is? Pride is the opposite of faith. A lot of crazy things have happened to me after I received Christ. Very bad things. To help me to realize that pride comes before every fall. To help me to realize. <laughs> do you know, like, I went through a terrible divorce as a Christian, as a minister. And it broke me all the way to the ground. And it was like God ripped a, a, a demon of judgment out of me. Does anybody hear me right now? How many have been through tragedy as a Christian? And, and we feel like, well, man, if I was a little bit better, if I'd have heard God, if I'd have done better, if I wasn't such a, if I was a better person, then I would have overcome that situation. Amen? But God wants to bring us to a place of humility where we can actually drink from the river. Amen? We've got to get a little bit lower to get a drink. Does this make sense? So grace, for, grace is for more grace. So one more thing about the pride thing is that pride is the opposite of faith. What is faith? Trusting in God. Faith is the key to miracles. But the reason why we don't see the miraculous and the signs and wonders and the glory is because of pride. 
Is this making sense? In our own life, the more we trust ourselves, the less we see God manifest. Is this true? So God wants to manifest himself more, and he knows the situation, man. He knows that we were born in this flesh. He knows that we're, we're, that we're desperate for human approval. He knows that we have all of these issues, amen, and that we're bound by human opinion. He wants to break us free from that stuff so that we can be filled with more of God and walk in more of his blessing. Any place where we're not walking in blessing, we're vulnerable to the curse. Grace for more grace. Somebody shout, more grace. <laughs> we need grace, don't we? So John 1, 16, and of his fullness we have all received. Now John was speaking. Of his fullness we have all received. Somebody say with me, fullness and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Watch the contrast. The law came through Moses. The old covenant was a different, a different perspective, right? I have to do this. I have to sacrifice and do that, and then God will be pleased with me. But yet we could never pay for our sins. But in the new covenant of grace, a grace perspective is not like the law's perspective. In the grace perspective, Jesus already paid for it. And because of thankfulness and gratitude, I'm going to rejoice and praise. And I'm going to grow into righteousness that I never afforded. Is this right? That's why only grace can set you free of condemnation. Fullness has to do with following the example set by Jesus and the disciples. Somebody say with me, fullness. So fullness has to do with following the example set by Jesus and the disciples. Has, any, has anyone in this room, since you came to church or received Christ, have you ever thought about how the differences between our lives and the lives of Christians and people in the Bible? Like, have you ever thought about that? Like, for example, when I was in Bible school, they taught us how to argue about salvation. Sorry, I'm very dogmatic. And, and I later learned that people don't actually get saved when you argue with them. They get saved when you reveal Jesus to them and they receive Jesus. Because salvation is a person, not an argument. <laughs> Come on. If I'm, if I'm right and I prove it to you, you're just going to get even madder and fight me more. So we're not going anywhere. Amen? So either you're going to champion your opinion or you're going to try to get Jesus to somebody. Amen? And just build relationship. So I want to be more like Jesus. When I was in Bible school, I said, you know, I don't see healing. I don't see people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've never prayed for someone to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've never seen, I haven't really seen healing after I've prayed, you know. I'd pray for somebody and then run off. I didn't even ask them if, God, if anything happened. Because I didn't expect it to, amen, because I'd never seen it. And I thought to myself, well, I know stuff, but I want to do the stuff the disciples did. Thank God for being born again in a church like this because missions kind of exposed me to that, right? To where we're kind of out there and just trying to do the stuff, you know what I mean? And so I thought to myself, I can continue and I can get a master's and a doctorate in theology and I can have the thing on my desk, you know? Or I can go move to South America and I can, and I can pray and seek God and fast and do Bible stuff and see if I get Bible results. Well, I'm here to tell you that I, got Bible, I did Bible stuff and I got Bible results. Now, I found out that God wants the Bible to happen to you. He doesn't want it to just be stored up in your mind. He wants the Bible to actually happen to you. Amen? Say with me, do Bible stuff, get Bible results. Salvation, baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit, daily prayer, uh, the Word of God, faith, the power of God, signs, wonders, healing, deliverance. All this stuff we see is the full gospel. It's the fullness of what God intends for Christians. Amen? 
I'm also here. I feel like God uses me to do this. And I want to provoke people that are sitting in this place that you know God has called you to ministry and you're not in ministry. You know God has called you to ministry, but you're like, uh, you're like in a holding pattern or you feel like you're on pause. And I feel God saying to you to, to stir yourself up. Who will stir themselves up and lay hold of God? Is there anybody here that will identify with what I'm saying? You know that God has called you and, God's, and the, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Number two, the full gospel. Somebody shout out with me, the full gospel. Hey, man, back in the day in the 90s, you'd hear that. This is the full gospel, praise God, you know, because we came out of churches where it wasn't the full gospel wasn't preached. Like, oh, we don't know if the Holy Spirit's for today or not. Well, dude, isn't it in the Bible? I mean, it doesn't take a scholar to see that that happened to the Christians that received Jesus. Have you not received Jesus? Okay, I got one yep on that. Number two. <laughs> the full gospel includes all the benefits. Somebody shout all the benefits. I don't know about you, but I want every single benefit that's offered to me. I don't want part of the benefits. How many of you, if you were told you're going to get this many benefits, you're like, no, just give me a little bit, okay, because I'm good. You know, No, man, it's free. I want everything that somebody else paid to give me. I mean, somebody gave their life to give. Christ gave his life. He suffered intensely to make it possible. Is this right? God wants every one of us to receive the fullness of the Spirit. Somebody say, God wants me to receive the fullness of the Spirit. I don't care if you're a coach. I don't care if you're the president, if, if you're a teacher, if you're a ditch digger. God wants you to walk in the fullness of what Jesus suffered intensely for you to have. Amen? How many of you have a conviction about this? So the full gospel includes all the benefits that we see in the Bible. Somebody say with me, every benefit. So the full gospel brings the fullness of God. So we need the fullness of God because every area, how many have noticed this? When you lack God in an area, that man, the bad things can happen because you're subject to a curse. Because only in God are you walking, in away, are you walking outside of the curse. Does that make sense? I mean, we're aware there's a curse, right? And we're aware of the suffering and the issues that people have, but only in God is this solved. The fullness has to do with, with this, God working in you and God working without. So I want to disambiguate. So how many realize that God working in you is salvation? But God upon you is his anointing on your life to fulfill the Great Commission. Is this right? Are you a fan or a follower? Have you thought about this? Am I a fan? Oh, yeah, I love Jesus. Are you a fan or a follower? So the fullness has to do with God working within you and without. Let me give you a scripture right here that I think is pretty wild, and I just want to use this. The fullness of the Spirit is seen through this vision in Revelation chapter 4, verse 5. Ready? And from the throne, how many would read it with me? From the throne, I'm waiting. <laughs> from the throne proceed lightnings, thunderings, voices, Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. How many have heard of the scripture? I, I just love this. I just love this scripture. Do you guys realize that seven is the number of fullness, right? Right? So what do we see here? The throne? What is the, what is the throne? The throne is a steering wheel of the kingdom of God, right? So wherever God wants to move, whatever he wants to do, the direction he wants to go is going to come from his throne. Is this right? So from his throne, you see there's these, the fullness of God. If you don't have the fullness of God in your life, then you're not really on the path that God's chosen for your life. 
And how many have realized how devastating it can be to not be on the path of God's, that God has chosen for your life? We need the fullness of God. We really need God to be on the throne of our heart and not just us to be on the steering wheel. Well, I think this kind of seems right. I think that I, we need Jesus to take the wheel, right? I've realized it so many times, my God, you know, like, please just take the wheel, you know. And finally, uh, I've, I've gotten to the point lately where I'll just, you know, sometimes when I realize, I don't know if I'm really completely in God's will on this, that I'll just be like, God, please just take this, just take this, just do whatever you have to do to get me in your complete will. How many ever prayed a prayer like that? Come on. <laughs> or are we scared? Like, what would happen if I was completely in God's will? Then I wouldn't get to do what I want. Like, I wouldn't have a good life. How many realize that every single deception is, ba every single bondage that we have, all of our shiny designer bondages, all of our bondages are based on deception, right? To be free, we really have to have God on the throne of our heart, right? So the throne is the steering wheel of God's kingdom. <laughs> I just like to say that. From the fullness of God, we are brought fully into what God intends. Would y'all say that would be true? If you don't have the fullness of God, how could you walk fully in what God intends for you? How many intercessors do I have in this room that, are, that pray for others, that pray for them? God, you know, help them to walk fully in your will, right? Help them to walk fully in your will. Help others to walk. Help me to walk in your will. So we need fullness. Colossians 2, 9 through 10. I'm going to show you this really cool scripture. For in Christ, y'all say it with me, in Christ, all the fullness, what are we talking about? Fullness. All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So everything, all this fullness, Jesus had this fullness. Man, I wish I was more like Jesus. Then I could have all the fullness. Well, let's read on and see what it says. In Christ, uh, all fullness of deity dwells, lives in him bodily, in bodily form. And in, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. You guys realize that God has already brought us positionally into fullness and now he's expecting us to experience it by way of revelation. Every time you hear something about God, you're supposed to experience it. Is salvation not an experience? If I heard about healing in the Bible but I never experienced it, you wouldn't want me to teach it to you. Because I haven't experienced it. If I heard about freedom in the Bible but I wasn't free, you wouldn't want me to talk to you about it. Every single promise in the Bible is an experience. You have to experience it. When you read about the Holy Spirit and the dove landing on Jesus, how many are like, man, I want the dove to land on me? <laughs> Anybody? Am I talking to the right people? <laughs> how many want these things to happen to you? Listen, man, I don't want to just know more stuff than somebody else because I, and, and, and have a more blessed life than somebody else. I want to know God, man. Like, I want to know that I have the truth, you know? I want to experience salvation. I want to experience the promises that God, God decided I needed so bad that he would let Jesus suffer on the cross to get it to me. The fullness of God also breaks off oppression and depression. Somebody shout it with me, fullness. Because of fullness, God can break depression and oppression off of you. And I can guarantee you, if you don't walk in the fullness of what God has for you, depression and oppression can begin to can, can put you in a stranglehold, put you in a vice. And to where you're like, well, I'm living and I know Jesus and I go to church, but I have this depression. And the doctor said that it's a chemical imbalance, so I'm taking these pills now, right? Now, this could be, this could be true for you, but how many realize that the greater truth is, is that if, if we took the Band-Aid off and we poured Jesus on your wounds, 
Now, sometimes we do have to take medication, so I'm not going to throw that out, but I want you to understand that how many know that the reality is, is that we don't trust in Jesus. We have a superficial thing happening, and we need to let him all the way into our heart, and because the Bible has promises for, about depression and oppression. Please hear me. John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Somebody say full of joy. How many know there is a joy in the Holy Ghost? Somebody knows. Amen. I mean, this church was founded on that. The power of the Holy Ghost, the fire of God, the joy of the Holy Spirit. How many know that man, my mom used to be dragged out of services in this church, full of joy, couldn't even walk. Somebody say joy of the Holy Ghost. I don't know if anybody knows what I'm talking about. This is Bible stuff we're talking about. How many realize that if you don't have the joy of the Holy Spirit, you're walking into depression, you're walking in with all these types of mental issues, and, and there's actually a solution. Come on, somebody. We had, we had, a, prayer, uh, we had a healing meeting one night and, uh, a couple years back, and a girl came down and she said, I need to be healed, and I didn't even ask her what it was for. We just prayed for her, whatever. God touched her. And then later she came back and said, I poured out all my, all my meds, and God set me free. And then she dropped like, 100 like 80 pounds or 100 pounds just because of all the medication was causing her to hold all this weight. Do you guys realize that people don't understand, man, like there are answers in Jesus, right? And, and there's actually demons assigned to people to keep them bound to these curses, amen? Because what happens when a person rises up full of faith and power? People want to follow that. They're like, oh, man, that's the answer. I, they see Jesus in you, amen? They're, they're like, there's victory in you. Can you tell me the answer? Can you show me where you go to church at? Like, what are you doing? Like, how do you have this victory in your life, right? People want to see this victory. Number three, we are saved by the grace power within. Somebody say it with me, I'm saved by the grace working within. So salvation is not about gifts, right? You can be very gifted in a church and not even be saved. <laughs> so the gospel is not about debating words. It's about receiving Jesus. Can I get a witness? Christ in us saves us. John 14, 20. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Somebody say it with me. I am in the Father. Jesus talking. And then what's the next thing that he says? You are in me. And what's the last thing that he says? I am in you. Somebody say, Jesus is in me. Do you guys realize what a revelation that is? Back when I still smoked like a train, this was a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I was watching these. No, I quit smoking 17 years ago, by the grace of God. But So uh, I was watching these videos. How many seen the videos where it's like uh, the book of uh, John and it's word for word? Y'all have seen these videos, right, these movies? That came out. If you don't know about it, go, go watch them. Really cool. Then I was watching this, this word-for-word -word, uh, videos, and I'm like, man, I would run outside and smoke every five minutes. That's good stuff. And smoke another cigarette, run back in. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this is amazing. And I'm like reading about this, and it hit me. How many ever had the revelation, the same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus, that rose Jesus from the dead, lives inside of me? Come on, I don't know if you had that revelation or not, but if you realize that the Bible's, as little kids, we're talking about Jesus is inside of me. Come on, little kids say that. Do we realize what it is to have the fullness of God inside of Christ and to have Christ with the fullness of God inside of us? Like, what is God offering us whenever he says, you know what, I'm going to put Christ in you, and within Christ is everything that I am. All of my fullness, all of my glory, all of my power, even my wisdom. That's why Christ has even become for us the wisdom of God. Not only the righteousness, but the wisdom of God. 
When you receive uh, salvation, by the way, you know you're receiving Jesus. Well, within Jesus, is, he is our righteousness, the Lord our righteousness, Jehovah Sitkanu. He is the Lord our righteousness. So if you have a morality issue, how many know, let that, just water the seed of righteousness inside of you and say, God, that's not who I am. Can I get a witness in here? That's not who I am. I'm going to grow into size, size 10 righteousness. If, if righteousness was a shoe that God wears and he gave it, have you ever seen your little kids try to walk in your shoes and they stumble all the time? That's what we do. We stumble as Christians trying to grow up in this thing. But how many realize if we just stick to it and keep growing, we're going to grow all the way into the shoes. We are becoming the righteousness of God in Christ. Is anybody hearing this? That's good news. So Jesus said, I am in you. So just think about this sometimes when you're crying out, God, where are you? I'm having issues. And are you even with me? Do you even hear me? We need to realize sometimes that God is inside of you. He's with you. He's closer to you than the word is on your mouth. As many as receive Jesus are transformed into the children of God. Here we go. So here's the scripture backing up that salvation is about receiving a person, not just receiving a, a, a words, Right? So John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. How, we, how do we get saved? We receive him. How do we get saved? You receive a person. Do you realize, we don't even realize that we received a person. Because we can't wrap our mind around this great salvation. We don't know that we received the actual person of Jesus inside of us. <laughs> as many as received him, how many would receive Jesus? How many would want to receive the one that can change everything for you? In a, in, in a moment, he can change it all. If you receive Jesus, how many of you received everything that God has for you? In that moment, you receive him, and what happened? He gave you the right, say with me, the right, to become children of God. So we don't even have the right to become children of God until we receive him. How could we have the right to become children of God? We can't earn it. Do you guys realize we try to earn our way into have, being the children of God? We try to pay for our sins. It's called condemnation. Have you, ever, have you ever had issues with worrying about your past sins and condemnation? That's us trying to pay for our sins. If I, just, if, I just make, if I just punish myself a little bit, then maybe I'll be a little bit better off. That's like when people fall, they fall away from God. They wait a while before they try to ask God for forgiveness. They're, they're going to try to wait until they're, they've had enough time being punished. Is this making sense? But what if we're trying to add to the punishment that Jesus already paid for on the cross? You can't add to that. It was enough. Say it with me. It was enough what Jesus did for me. So he gives you the right because Jesus went to the cross for you. Amen? Are you guys okay? So when you receive the person, you were given the rights, the same rights that Jesus has. This is not about human effort. Christ equals, I want to show you another thing. So Christ, Jesus Christ, when you say Jesus Christ, is Christ his last name? <laughs> or is this, what does Christ mean? Messiah. And the anointed one. Yeah, say with me, the anointed one. So what are you saying? The powerful one. When you receive the powerful one, you receive the greater one inside of you. You don't receive uh, just a Jewish man from, uh, you know, from Israel, but you actually receive an anointed being into you. So you receive the anointing inside of you. Say with me, the anointing is inside of me. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You have received an anointing within you that teaches you to draw near to God. I want to show you the scripture real quick. 1 John 2.27. Can y'all read this with me? But the anointing which you have received from him. Now this is the people that have already received Christ. And if you haven't received Christ, I want to pray with you here in a few minutes. 
The anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, so you're taught through the anointing, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Question, does John mean that we don't need teachers? Obviously not, because the Bible says we're given teachers, and John's teaching you right now, <laughs> right? So it, it doesn't mean that you don't need teachers. It means that the only time that you were actually taught something that ever helped you was when God anointed that word, and he put it on your heart, and he changed your life with it. Amen? So that's why we need the anointing. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. But also realize that the anointing came in you at salvation. That's why there's all this debate to where we don't believe the Holy Spirit's for today because people realize that they're connected to God already because you do have the Holy Spirit within you, but how many know that God wants to put the Holy Spirit upon you also? Yes? yes. So this power is the life of God saving you from within. How many know that we are kept by the power of God within? 1 Peter 1.5, who are kept, these are Christians that are, that are born again as the context. Say with me, who are kept by the power of God? Say with me, I am kept by the power of God, through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. So this power within us actually keeps us, right? This is the grace for character transformation. Whenever you receive Christ, God put inside of you a power that helps you with character transformation, to make you look more like Jesus. So we can do all the things that we can do for God and end up at, at the other end, and, he's, and he says, I, I don't even know you. You don't even look like me. How many realize that this whole thing is about looking more like Jesus, right? The more that you look like Jesus, the more you bear the same fruit that he bore. Being precedes doing. We're running out of time, guys. N number four. I might, I might skip through four really quick. Jesus gave the disciples power. How many realize this? This power came upon them to reach others. So the question is, are we Christians or are we disciples? Are we Christians that are disciples or are we just Christians? What is a disciple? A disciple is a disciplined learner. How many would say, you know what, I want to go to a small group. I want to go to a Bible study. I want to learn. I want to learn the, 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 the disciplines, which I, I don't think it should be called disciplines because I think that prayer is, a, is, is like something we get to do, right? Are you with me? Like, I want to learn to have a prayer life. Like, how can we be a disciple without even having a prayer life? Do you realize that there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I'm a Christian. I was sprinkled when I was a baby. <laughs> are you guys with me? But are you a disciple? Are you just a fan of what he did, or are you a person receiving salvation because disciples are walking with the Savior? Is this right? How in the world would you see the benefits of salvation if you don't even walk with the Savior? So the point is, are you, how many would agree, I want to be a disciple, right? We want to be a disciple of Jesus, right? Come on. A disciple would have the same benefits as Jesus' disciples, right? So he gives power to what? Disciples. Is this making sense what I'm trying to say? So this is not a religion, it's a relationship. In religion, there's no power. In relationship, there's the same power the disciples had. Is this making any sense to you? So I want to make sure that my Christianity looks like the Bible. I had a, a man from a certain uh, false cult uh, try to like, talk to me one day, and I, was, I didn't want to talk to him. I didn't want him trying to argue with me to become one of them and uh, just let you fill in the blank. And I was like, look, I, I don't want to argue with you. I said, look, I'm going to just tell you one thing to you. Have you ever opened your Bible to the book of Acts? And he said, yeah. I said, you, you have read the book of Acts? He said, yeah. I said, does the stuff that's happened in the book of Acts, does that happen in your life and in your church? He said, uh, no. I said, well, then your church isn't biblical. I have nothing else to say to you. <laughs> 
I mean, does, our, does anybody think, man, I want the same stuff to happen in my life that happens to these people in the Bible? Come on, guys. Like, I don't care what grandma's doctrine was. I love grandma. I love my whatever. But I want to find out what does Jesus say? What does the Bible say? Don't let your culture or your family or people around you bind you into a certain thing. I want to know what does the Bible say, amen? So God gives power to disciples. Real quick, Acts 4.33. Say it with me. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. Somebody shout grace power. So you see what we're trying to do, right? Jesus said, you shall receive power when what? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Acts 1.8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. Where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and at the end of the earth. City, state, world. How many of the God wants you to reach the world? He will, especially in a church like this. You're gonna, how many of the God's going to expose you to, 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 uh, to, see, to see the whole world? Like, how can we affect the world for Jesus, Right? So as Peter spoke, power came upon those who heard him. Real quick, Acts 10, 44, I love this. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard. Somebody say with me, they heard. The Holy Spirit fell upon the ones that heard, and those of the circumcision, the Jews, who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter. Why? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, I mean, the Gentiles, somebody, everyone else that's not a Jew, are you with me? Also, for they heard them speak with tongues, and they magnified God. Somebody say with me, they spoke in tongues. Now, what did they do when the Holy Spirit came upon them? It wasn't just about speaking in tongues or shaking or anything else. It was about they began to magnify God with their life. They became a house of praise. Not only did they go to a church where their church was a house of praise, but we are the house of the Holy Spirit. They became literally a house of praise. Amen. What if your life exemplified praise more than complaining? We would see the joy of God on our life. Come on, is this right? God would open our, our mind to a divine perspective, a, a heavenly way of thinking. So real quick, people have to hear about the Holy Spirit before the power can come upon them. Acts 19, 1 through 3, and then we're going to put 5 and 6 together. You ready? So Paul, having passed through the upper regions, he came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Say it with me. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? After you received Christ. So that means they received Christ, but the, they were Christians. They were disciples even. So that's good. Because you know what happens to the disciples. The Holy Spirit's made available to them. They're not just fans. They're followers. But he says, have you received the Spirit since you believe? What do they say? We, they, so they said, we have not heard. We have not heard. Say with me, they haven't heard. We haven't heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Say with me, that's a, bottle, that's a baptism in water. Do you guys realize there's two baptisms? How many have been water baptized? If you've received Christ and you haven't been water baptized, you need to be water baptized. You need to sign up for water baptism. Is this right? Following the example of Jesus. And it, listen, but you realize if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to find out what is this about. And we're going to be praying for people this morning to say, I don't know if I've ever been filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have an altar call in about... 60 seconds or something, that people that want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I believe it's very important. And if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you want to be refilled, then come down and we're going to have Pastor Ken and a couple of people praying. Amen? And uh, so real quick, let me just finish reading it to you. So did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said, we haven't heard of the Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what? They said, John. So they said, and so when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6, guys, you ready? And when Paul had laid hands on them, what happened? Yeah. 
He laid hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now watch this. In Acts 10.44, just when Peter spoke, he fell. But in this example, there were hands laid. So we're going to give two altar calls right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here, this is not to make... This is not for anybody else for show, but this just is for you. I want to ask you just to raise your hand and then bring it back down only, okay? You don't have to come to the front for this. But if you're here and you're like, man, I want to give my life to Jesus uh, 100%, either you're recommitting or maybe for the first time you're like, I want to receive Jesus and I want to receive salvation. If you're there with every head bowed and every eye closed on the count of three, I want you to slip your hands up and then bring it back down and then I'm going to pray and nobody's going to know, just you and Jesus, all right? One, two, three. Raise up your hand real quick. I see hands going up. Okay, bring your hands back down. And I want, even if you didn't raise your hand, I want you to take courage. How many realize that salvation is one decision away? For, it takes courage to say, you know what, I'm going to give my life to Jesus, and I don't know what God's going to do with it. Are you with me? So pray with me. Father, come on, say it with me loud enough for the devil to hear it. Father, I give my heart to Jesus. I believe that Jesus died on the cross in my place. He took my sin upon himself and carried it away from me. Say with me, on the third day, he rose from the dead. And I believe Jesus is my Lord. He's my Savior. And I accept your words for my life. I am a child of God. Somebody give the Lord a hand, would you? The way that we know that that was, that was powerful for you is not just because a person comes to an altar call, because you could have said that in your homes or on the internet or in the chairs, uh, but the point is, is that when you say that prayer, will you come back? Will you show up again on Wednesday and Sunday, amen, and be part of God's church? It's one thing to live according to your own agenda. It's another thing to, for, me, for you to say, I'm going to get behind the local church, and we're going we're gonna to make the devil pay. We're gonna, he's going to have hell to pay. Come on, somebody. We're going to raise hell, and we're going to populate heaven. How many in this room would say, you know what, I'm going to get behind what God is doing, not just live for myself? And you know that when you give your life to God, man, he gives it back to you. You're going to enjoy your life much more, but you're also going to see God use your life to populate heaven. <laughs>